0: Welcome to the table. We discuss issues of God and culture, and our topic today is one we haven't uh, broached before. It's the topic of sports and Christianity. Sports is an important part of our culture, and our guest today is Ed Usinski. I don't know if that's Usinski or Usinsky. How do you that's say your U- last name? Usinsky. Huh? Usinsky is how the grandparents passed it down. Okay. Now, now, what's the origin of that? It's how what, most. That's
1: mostly Polish.
0: Mostly Polish. Oh, that's cool. I've been to Poland. It's a neat country. Anyway, um, uh, and uh, Ed, tell tell people what you what you do for for your ministry.
1: Well, I've I've worked with athletes in action for twenty four years now. Um, Was very much a product of that ministry. I came to Christ when I was a freshman at Kent State. And there were a a number of people actually that interacted with me during that time. And and the one that I ended up latching on with was, was an Athletes in Action staff member and joined the ministry through their basketball team. Used to have a traveling basketball team that a lot of people know about and have had different roles throughout the years. But most recently, I've helped give leadership to the start of a brand new website. If you check out athletesinaction.org, we've basically launched an entirely different kind of ministry online for us. So maybe we can talk more about that as we get into it. But that's what I've been giving attention to for the last year.
0: And you guys are headquartered in the wonderful metropolis of Xenia, Ohio. Is that right? We are in Tornado
1: Alley, Xenia. Yes, It's, it's, it's on the map because of a number of tornadoes that have come through here. Uh, that have, have wrecked destruction on the community. Uh, but it's a resilient town and one that keeps bouncing back. And in fact, our headquarters is at, at a really a national landmark. It's uh, an old sailors and soldiers home that Abraham Lincoln had commissioned before he was assassinated that there would be different spots throughout the Union where orphans would be able to find safe haven after the war. And this property that we're on was actually one of them. So the very building that we're in was an orphanage orphanage up until about 20 years ago
0: yeah i've i've, I've been there of course uh help do some training with athletes in action uh with some of the teams that have gone out and it's a it's a it's a interesting site and it's and it's a well put together site in terms of uh particularly the sports stuff that y'all are doing i think there was some building getting ready to happen when i was there in terms of i think a new basketball court or something
1: yeah the john wooden family field house yeah uh, Before Coach Wooden died, he actually gave permission to us to use his name on that, which he didn't do very often in the course of his life. And we're in the process of building uh, a, a huge uh, indoor arena that hopefully is going to host over 300,000 people throughout the year that'll come in and be able to compete in sports. But more importantly, they'll be trained in ministry. They'll be uh, taught how the gospel intersects their, their whole athletic life, which is really what we're about doing. So we've already got baseball fields out there, like you mentioned, and softball fields, a football field two big soccer fields, and they're just they're constantly full when the weather's nice. So that's the problem with being here in <laughs> central Ohio. You only get about six, seven months where you can be outside easy. So this will allow us to be a year-round facility.
0: And allows you to be a home team now and again, huh? <laughs> now and again, yeah. it does, yeah. Yeah, because I, I remember I had a friend who, uh, as I mentioned to you before we uh, started recording, that... Um, that used to play with Athletes in Action and tour the world. And, of course, one of the tough things about being an Athletes in Action athlete is it's always an away game. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So. That's uh, right.
1: Yeah. We used to play a fall schedule. Most people don't even know this anymore. Like I said, some of the older folks only knew Athletes in Action from the basketball team, and it, it hasn't really functioned in the same way since the early 2000s. But we used to play – up to a 40 game exhibition schedule against all the division one schools or 40 of the division one schools around the country. And we'd share the gospel at halftime. Yeah. So we you know, stand there in front of 20,000 people uh, for seven minutes getting to share the gospel at public institutions. I can't even believe that we used to do it given the current climate. Uh-huh. Uh, but sometimes it would be after the game. I can still remember standing at half court at Rupp Arena and Rick Pitino keeping his team out on the court to listen, and all the people would stay in the stands, and we'd tell them about Jesus. So wow. it was an incredible opportunity um, to to reach into a place that is not easy to reach into. Uh, the the college basketball scene is actually a very difficult place for ministries to get into yeah, for a bunch yeah. of different reasons. So, anyways, that was, it was a it was a great. Opportunity, like you said, it was always on the road. So we'd play sometimes five games in seven nights, yeah. and just travel to all the different schools. And half the time, we wouldn't even know where we were at.
0: And and internationally as well. I mean, it wasn't just in the states.
1: That's right. Yeah. No, I I uh, I got to play in Tunisia and Australia and France, Italy. We went all through Mexico, all through Canada. Uh, through Eastern Europe. Um, we, We still send tours in the summertime, so that's the other way that people know about Athletes in Action, is we have these summer opportunities where currently competing college athletes will take a one or two week tour to go somewhere around the world and be trained in ministry while at the same time having an opportunity to minister to the people on the ground wherever they go.
0: Yeah, and of course the whole thing is an extension of Crew, which uh, uh, which sponsored and had the idea originally to do this, and uh, it's been a. Terrific ministry. You bring in – the group that I met with I think were all the way freshmen to seniors who had played baseball uh, around the country, literally came in from everywhere, had just met one another, and we did two uh, two or three days of of just training and Bible study and preparation before they went out and played and and also reflected on kind of where God has them in life. It's a terrific, terrific ministry.
1: Yeah, well, there's there's actually, I think, six summer leagues that college baseball players play in. And the Great Lakes League is obviously in this area, this part of the country. And so, Athletes in Action puts a team in that Great Lakes League. So, not only are they getting to play high-level baseball throughout the summer, but they're being discipled and poured into uh, in their spiritual life. So. It's a perfect combination of things for a kid who wants to grow and who also wants to become better at his sport or yeah. her sport.
0: Yeah, and and at least with the group I was working with, you had one in the league locally, and then there was another team that also was sent overseas. I believe they went to the Dominican Republic, if I'm not mistaken, and played in a variety of locations there. And and many of the guys who did that, it was their second. Tour of duty, and they were uh, they were doing uh, they were doing something that they had done before, but now in an international context.
1: There's been a real push the last decade or so to invite players or people that go to our camp to come back the next year, and either uh, serve as an intern. Or they just come back and they've got a very different approach this time. You know, usually the first time you come in, you're just there to, to play and to be served. But when, when men and women have a good experience, they, they want to come back and be the server, which mm-hmm. is always exciting, you know. Yeah. They become they become laborers.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting to watch the dynamic those first few days when the guys arrive and they're, you know, they literally are meeting one another, most of them for the first time, and so they're forming friendships and bonding and figuring out okay who's like me and who's not like me and that kind of thing, uh, and and the staff does a terrific job of of helping them bond at the start and and get rolling. So it's a like I say, it's a terrifically fascinating ministry, and I know it's had an impact as people have moved around the country. The, the fellow who I mentioned who played for you all originally was impacted by another athlete who had done Athletes in Action, played on his basketball team, and, and really helped or was responsible for helping lead him to the Lord in the context of, of his team's normal season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, there, there's a word that you don't typically associate with sports uh, that, that takes place in those settings, and that's intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you, when you wind up with a group of guys or gals that, like you say, you don't know, but you're going to go on a journey together. Uh, you find yourself being very vulnerable and talking about things that maybe you uh, have thought about but just haven't shared with anybody, especially when it comes to your spiritual life or emotional life, areas that that uh, you you need to grow in, and you start to realize that other people have the same struggles, other people have the same questions, and when those things start to come out on the table and you start to get a uh, response from Jesus on how to deal with them, it's a real bonding effect. and. Uh, it ends up being, I think, some people's greatest experiences in their life. I don't think that's an overstatement to go on a tour like this. They look back on it and say their life was literally changed because of the relationships they made and because of the way they grew.
0: Yeah, if people haven't played sports at a, at a collegiate level, uh, I think they're – uh, perhaps not as aware uh, as they could be about everything that's involved. There's a ton of practice time. There's a ton of travel time. You're hanging out together. I didn't pay play College basketball in, in a U.S. college, but when I went overseas to Scotland, this is this is this is kind of a fun thing to say. When I went overseas to Scotland, graduate students could play uh, sports, and so I was mm-hmm. doing my doctorate and played on the Scottish basketball team. What was really exciting about that is I'm all of five ten, but people in Scotland were so short I could play forward, and yeah. so uh, uh, and so we literally traveled uh, all over the U.K., England, Wales. Uh, Scotland didn't go to Northern Ireland uh, and, but we were in the car a lot of the time and you're just talking and, and hanging out uh, and there's just a lot of, uh, of it's really not downtime, but there's a lot of time together in travel and context where you're talking about all kinds of things in life so, you know you talk about sports teams being a family there's a sense in which that is actually very very true and so a lot of stuff happens outside game time That's right.
1: That's right. Yeah, family, I I throw another word in there that that just in culture in general, we've sort of lost sight of, and that's community. Yes. So it's a micro community. It's not going to last very long, but you can get an awful lot done when you form bonds with other people. Right. And you have an opportunity to talk about real things and heart level things that we so desperately want to be able to do. Uh, and, and we just don't really have the, the setup anymore in our culture to do that very well. So athletes have that advantage. And, and in fact, one of the things that's missed the most after you graduate or don't compete anymore is that lack of community. Yes. You know, you're not on a on a team where there's seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, or more people that you're gonna do life with at a family level, like you said. Um, <laughs> where do you get that? You should be able to get it from the church. <laughs>
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's, we probably we probably other, need to go I there guess. at some point. It's a yeah. good. It's a great point. Uh, it, and, and it's and and I think this has been a good way to open up the conversation about sports and the way to think about sports because we tend to think about sports as competition, and certainly there is that element to it. Uh, and of course, there's a difference between individual sports and team sports. Uh, um, and we're talking here primarily team sports, but there is. There is a character development aspect to your involvement in sports and working with the team, working with people who have different gifts, different strengths and weaknesses. In some cases where you're having to respond to someone's failure to do something as well as their success in doing something that really um, is character forming in many ways. There is.
1: And I, I know that's a, a big discussion today in, in circles where these things get talked about is whether or not sports really does build character. And I think, you know, my, my, uh, conclusion is, is that it, it does in the same way that any other little subcultural setting does that where you, you become part of a group of people who are given a task to do. And that task has a bunch of hurdles that are in the way, but, uh, what that are keeping you from being able to accomplish it. Um, you have an opportunity to find out things about yourself. You have an opportunity to push yourself beyond what your normal limits are. And those kinds of things are character forming. Um, <clears throat> I think it sort of rises and falls these days with who the coach is though. That, that's part of what the problem is. I think when there's a coach who actually has development in mind mm-hmm. and points out and uh, is very aware of character-forming opportunities, I think you get a lot more done versus a coach who really is just about trying to figure out how to win games and misses a lot of the opportunities uh, to talk about things, especially with youth. I guess I'm I'm thinking more with youth.
0: So if we're talking to parents and they're thinking about their – budding sports experiences that their kids are going through then being aware of the values of the coach and what is being emphasized as they as they play is actually a pretty important part of determining whether the experience is just going to be one of learning a particular sport or whether it's going to be have a broader impact in terms of what's possible i think
1: it's huge and unfortunately and i say this now from from years of both being a youth coach myself, I've got four kids ages 15 down to five. And so we're right in that youth sports time period. Uh, that unfortunately, what's happened is that uh, too often what we're looking for as parents is the best team for the elite status, for the team that's going to play in the most tournaments and get the most ex- so called exposure. Um, you know, those have sort of become the priorities. And Really, I think what we should pay more attention to is who is it that he's going to be influenced by. Who is this person that I am giving my child over to, not to become an all-star player, but to become an all-star person? That's really ultimately what we want. Uh, but we don't we don't think of sports that way anymore. Um, I, I think it used to be more part of the framework of sports. The expectation of sports is that the whole character development side. But now it's all about trying to climb up the ladder. And it's really an illusion. It just is. If you look at what the numbers are, they haven't changed. I mean, it's such a minuscule number of kids that actually wind up playing. I was just going to ask
0: you if you're aware of what the numbers were, because they are pretty small.
1: Yeah, it's incredibly small. So the the experience of of uh, interacting with a coach is way more important. And frankly. That even the team that you wind up on, I think the relationships of the team are way more important than the ability of the players. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense,
0: yeah, it does. You know, I uh, there there, <laughs> there are lots of aspects to this. I mean, you the relationship of the players, the way in which you can take players of average skill who, if they will work together, can do better than a team of individual talents that never melds. Um, that kind of thing, uh, I, you know, I go through I'm, – I'm just thinking in the back of my head the list of coaches that I had, which were several in several different sports because I, I not only played basketball but I ran cross country. But I have one coach who stands out among all of them because he cared about me and my development as a person as opposed to my development as a basketball player. And what's interesting is I was not a Christian in high school, Uh, just was playing sports to play sports. And what I found out after I graduated and went to seminary and came back to to school was is that this coach was actually um, quite a committed Christian. Uh, and when he found out I had come to the Lord and we chatted after reconnecting this is after almost a decade of having been at high school um, there was a whole different level to our interaction than it had existed before but I understood better how how and why he had coached me the way he had coached me um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you certainly don't have to be a Christ follower to value development in young people. And yet, I think as Christians, we have a framework uh, where discipleship and mentorship actually matters and means something to us. Like we understand that idea of pouring what you have to pour into the next person or the next generation. Uh, so we really should expect to find Christian people who are thinking that way more than they're worried about winning. Again, unfortunately, uh, we often wind up being just as culturally corrupted as, as the non-Christians do in terms of only being worried about our own identity and, um, uh, you know, trying to get wins and losses in 10 year old environments. But for people who have perspective, you can really get a lot done. You really can, no matter what age, whether it's with the college athletes like you talked about or it's with 10-year-olds or 8-year-olds or 6-year-olds. If you love them and you see beyond what they are right now and beyond the sport that they're playing and think of them as young men and young women who are going to go out into the world and hopefully make an impact, you can be a huge influence in a short period of time.
0: Yeah, and 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 develop character in ways that I think it's it's hard to emulate in other. There aren't too many environments where you are bringing people together with different gifts, and you're asking them to a, uh, approach a task together and have them go through all the gyrations one has to go through to make it work, and, and all the adjustments, and et cetera, that, that come with it. It's, uh, I'm, uh, in, c- in case you can't tell, I'm a pretty deep believer in the value of sports when it's applied properly, because I do think it's one of the few community operations where you, where you learn team in a, in a very real kind of way, and uh, uh, I think it prepares people wonderfully for life.
1: There's a built in discipline to sports as well. So just the ability to say no to yourself, which is so important uh, in spiritual formation, the ability, like we said, to to move beyond where you are right now and, and actually get to deeper places and better places, the ability to work well with other people. I mean, th- those are all, again, to mention the whole church environment, those are all things that we need to be able to do to be good church members, quite frankly. Not mentioned uh, to function in business. Business, yeah. The the ability to forgive one another, the ability to get beyond differences and pattinesses uh, and still continue to do life well with each other, to compromise. It's all there. It's all there in the dugout. Yeah. It's all there in the pocket. <laughs> you know, every
0: bit of that is there. Yep yep i uh, you know i i I'm curious uh when you were playing what position did you play I was a guard I you're was a shooting guard you were yeah. a shooting guard yeah I played point guard which means the responsibility for making sure we got into the offense and got set up was was really uh, on on my shoulders, and you know the the point guard's usually the little runt in the group. Uh, you know he isn't the he isn't the. I got my close friend who played for athletes in action was six seven and played in the post. Now he deserved to be on a basketball court, uh, but you know it was my responsibility to to make sure the team was set in the right way and, and that we were approaching the play from the right angle. Those kinds of things, and and so um, I learned a ton. Uh, All of which I have ended up applying in my lifetime and in my ministry as
2: a result in terms of working with people. This episode is brought to you by the Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like,
0: If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican.
2: Huh. That raises an interesting question.
1: Yeah, so you know, it's just it's it's all about perspective and and how we think about it. You know, I almost hate talking about. Well, I actually love talking about sport culture in general, but maybe even more, what I like talking about is what can I do differently because I, I don't know that I can fix all of the sport culture. Uh, and in fact, I know I can't, but I can certainly change what I have influence over right around me right now. I was I was at a soccer game the other day with my. 12-year-old daughter and the refs were struggling and the parents were just going berserk and calling him an idiot and they were yelling back and forth at each other on the sideline and girls on our team ended up losing the game and as they ran over to us at the end to slap hands they all had smiles on their faces and I heard a couple of the parents comment oh they don't seem like they're bothered at all and I thought that's because they're just playing a game. Mm -hmm. And again, what we're doing over here and battling with each other and screaming at the refs and getting all worked up because they're losing four to one completely misses the opportunity that we have to teach them to overcome bad calls, to teach them how to help one another up when they're they're getting knocked down. There were so many things that happened where we as parents and adults could have actually gotten something positive out of it but it was just too easy to get sucked into the we're losing and we're being mistreated and the refs are terrible. And <clears throat> I got to grow up as a parent. Yeah, We got to grow up in those environments if we want to get something out of them.
0: Um, what advice would you give to parents as they think about the whole sports experience with their kids? Yeah. But,
1: you know, I, like I said, I, I've thought a lot about this because I'm in the midst of living it myself. And I find myself... Wanting to do the very things that I rail against. Uh, I, I want to pressure my kid to perform. I want to, um, you know, push him to play with the best athletes. I mean, all, all these different things. I feel that tension. I, <clears throat> so I am, I'm constantly asking for help. I'm constantly reading. I'm I'm talking to my friends who are further down the road. I'm talking to other athletes to hear what they wish their parents would have done differently. And, you know, some of the best advice that I've heard is it really has to do with how to help process things with our kids. So, you know, to ask them after a practice or after a game, did they have fun? And I ask my kids that all the time, do you have fun today? And let's just talk about fun and why it was or wasn't fun uh, as radical of an idea as that is now that a game and a sport would actually be fun anymore. Um, did you learn, what, what did you learn? What'd you learn today? Would you learn about yourself? Would you learn about competing? Would you learn about the sport? You know, or, uh, that always ends up producing interesting conversations. Um, <clears throat> what, what was going on? A third question that I, I like to ask a lot is, uh you know what was going on with you and your teammates were you a good teammate today well, what do you mean by that dad well did, did you encourage anybody did anybody encourage you um was there any conflict behind the scenes that maybe nobody saw and it's it's interesting how often they'll they'll say actually yes yeah, so let's talk about it what happened And so we wind up talking more about what's going on around the game than just performance aspects of their own improvement in the batter's box or kicking the ball or, uh, you know, dribbling the ball or whatever. And I'm not saying that there's not still a place, obviously, to talk about those things. Um, But when we focus more on the soft stuff that's around it, the relational stuff, the development stuff, it's amazing that our kids, they actually really do want to talk about those things. Uh, they, and, and, you know, the other thing is, so sometimes the answer is nothing. There's nothing to talk about. Okay. Then the next day I need to come back and ask the same questions and not not get dissuaded from that because my my surly teenager doesn't want to talk to that. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: You know? Um, <clears throat> so it's a discipline. I, I know I need other guys around me that are thinking the same way, too. It's really hard uh again, just any aspect of discipleship I think is difficult to try to do on your own it's 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 good to have a community of people that are saying let's let's try to do this differently let's try to create a different experience for our kids uh, and they're out there they really and, are. and
0: your questions tell you where tell the kid where the focus is
1: that's they sure do yeah, they do um and you know I, I know I don't always do that well i I still get frustrated when I don't see hustle or I don't see um, you know, th- things that are important to me as a dad when it comes to the competitive arena, and I just need to be careful that you know you don't want your kids to uh associate your love for them as being attached to their performance mm-hmm. and that extends way beyond sports the so The whole idea of being able to uh, receive God's grace the tone for that is actually often set in the conversations that we have on the way home from a baseball field. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't it the foundations for that? And so sports by nature are performance driven. It's already so built into the system. So I have to work that much harder to make sure that I'm separating. I wanna make sure that you understand that our relationship and my love for you is separate from whatever happens out on this field. This is play that's all it is and but I actually have to work at that yeah it, it, it'd be intentional
0: it, it, it's play and also at the same time in a subtle way it's it's learning it's learning about relationships that's right it's uh, it's about the way you go about competing as opposed to the to the numbers on a scoreboard that's right uh, all those kinds of things and 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 when that emphasis is put in the right place, Sports can be a really almost unique opportunity for personal development that doesn't appear in too many other places.
1: That's right. So I think it's important as a parent or a coach even to, to, to intentionally, whether mentally or literally, literally to write down what are the things that are going to be important to me mm-hmm. as I watch you compete. Uh, and, and, and some of those will be actual game performance, but hopefully there's a a much longer list of how you carry yourself, how you approach the game, how you approach and handle your teammates and whether or not you're a good teammate, whether you're respectful to coaches and to umpires and to referees. It, It almost, it sounds, it, it sounds almost too simple but it really is lost Mm -hmm. today that we would focus on those things and pay attention to them and capitalize on the opportunities we have. I just don't see very many people doing it because their list, (laughs) the longer list for them is, are you on the most elite team? Mm -hmm. Are you getting enough playing time? Are you getting treated properly by the coach? Which means that you never sit down. It means that you, (laughs) you know, I listen to that constantly. Uh, as a coach and now as a parent who sits on the sideline. Uh, so maybe it's not uh, it needs to keep being repeated and emphasized.
0: Well, the, the, all this discussion raises the whole issue of kind of sports culture and that kind of thing, and we were uh, discussing during the break kind of the way in which athletes in action and the way it engages with sport is evolving. So, um, why don't you share a little bit about, about about that that journey that that you've been on with them in your more than two decades with the ministry, and kind of where things are headed and how you've worked hard to kind of broaden the the palette that that uh, athletes in action is painting on.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great a great question it's because athletes in action and and uh, and groups like Fellowship of Christian Athletes and other major sport ministry organizations have done a great job for decades now. I mean, we're, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary, actually this next week with mm. all of our staff. We started in 66. And what the emphasis was back in 1966 and has been up till now is that we would uh, like to see athletes come to Christ and we'd like to see those athletes who come to Christ grow in their relationship with God and then turn around and use the platform that they have as athletes to reach other people. It's a multiplication model. It's it's the Great Commission. Uh, it's it's Jesus stuff that's mm-hmm. built into that model. That's not something that Bill Bright came up with or, or anybody in Athletes in Action. It's a discipleship model. And I love that, Uh, I I really do, but what I've become more and more aware of, and and many of my colleagues have, is just the um, overwhelming status, the idolatrous status that sports has in our culture makes it such that sports is being talked about constantly and continually. And so many of the issues that are being talked about in sports are moral issues, they're philosophical issues, they're social issues, and frankly, uh, an ESPN commentator doesn't usually have the freedom and maybe doesn't even have access to the right vocabulary to be able to talk about those issues mm-hmm. beyond the surface. And and so for years now, um, we've talked about the the need to ask, how does the gospel intersect these questions? How does the gospel intersect these issues? And maybe more importantly, where would somebody go? Where would somebody who identifies as both a Christ follower and a sport lover, where would they go to get gospel answers to the different issues that are being talked about every day in sports? Um, <clears throat> there, frankly, there, there really aren't many places to go. Uh, and so one of the re redirects that we've tried to make here in Athletes in Action uh, is, to, is to start to ask, how can we produce content and make it available for people who actually wanna be trained to think theologically about sports? That's partially what the website exists to do. Now, like I said, athletesinaction.org. You might want to check it out. And you'll see that we're just in the beginning stages of this, but we, we want to write and post content that will help you think Christianly about sports.
0: So so you're dealing with issues, I take it, like uh, the, an athlete's sense of entitlement, uh, uh, those kinds of things, the, the privilege that they sometimes have because they are special uh, in any given community on a campus or something like that. That Uh, the issue of male and female relationships that happen within the sports context, I imagine there's quite a range of things to discuss.
1: Absolutely, there's moral issues, and and you know we we think about this uh, both for so the athlete has their own set of questions. A coach would have his or her different set of questions, and then the parents. We just spent a chunk of time talking about things from the parents' perspective. So, you know, how do you How do you interpret the things that are going on? Um, How how do you interpret or or, or view somebody like a Kobe Bryant who's been in the news or or any other Kobe Bryant Mm -hmm. whose narrative has been um, both very dark and ugly over the course of his career? And some of the choices he's made that have been very public and and frankly... uh, just outright sinful, mm-hmm. uh, and and yet being a a model of excellence when it comes to competition. Mm-hmm. So how how do you think about a person like that? We were just having this conversation yesterday. Is it okay as a Christian to have Kobe Bryant as a hero? And as uh, <laughs> almost silly as that question sounds, I think there's a bunch of layers that are worth thinking about. in
0: right. There. Yeah, I mean, uh, and and you know the other issue that at least is floating around right now in sports is the whole issue of equal play and equal pay in soccer and what that means and the way in which uh, different genders have been handled in relationship to sport and and what that means in our cultural context very complex uh, narrative in many ways it is race continues to be I mean. It, 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 it's almost like we haven't made any
1: progress at all for as frequently as racial issues still come up in the sports world. Mm-hmm. Um, issues of gender mm-hmm. continue to be a, uh, a problem, even the complications now of transgender, mm-hmm. right? It's like we, we've, only, we've layered it with even more complications. So how do you think about that? How do we think about uh, homosexuals in the locker room? What, what is a Christian response to somebody who comes out as gay? Um, You know, every week there's a new
0: because it's a microcosm of life. Sports is is a microcosm of life in uh, operating, in some ways, under a kind of intensity of pressure that uh, is both like and unlike other scenes in life, and and where uh, the issue of assessment, if I can use educational language for a second, is transparent because it's on a scoreboard. That's right. and so you've got all those factors in play, and it's it's oftentimes quite obvious who is and is not contributing to the success, put it in quotes, of what's happening. And, uh, and then the owning up of the responsibility of that, which is certainly a very important part of character development, all those things are constantly in play in what we see in sports. They are. So I, I need to be...
1: Uh, provoke to think differently. Um, I I think the way sports come to us, it comes to us naturally as an idol. It it just does. And I'm saying that even for a Christian person, that Mm -hmm. it's too easy by default to have sport become an idol in our lives Mm -hmm. where our minds and our thoughts and our heart get wrapped up uh, either in a professional or a collegiate sports team, or as a competing athlete, where sport becomes the centerpiece of, of what my life revolves around, it's idolatry. So, how do you strip? How do you strip away um, your idolatrous leanings? How do you cleanse yourself of thinking about sport in the wrong way and replace it then with? with a kingdom centered view of sport. Is that even possible to do? Some would say that it's not Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that sport is inherently evil because it's part of this system that is inherently evil. And I don't believe that. I just, I believe that every aspect of life is redeemable, uh, as do many, many other people. And so what does that look like?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a, a profound question in an area that, that most people view as entertainment and kind of a sideshow. But if, if you That's actually right. look how much people invest, In the pursuit of sport, whether it be with their own children or the way they support particular professional teams or college teams, et cetera, we invest a a, a lot in that. And I think it's because you know I think it's its power to become an idol is directly related, if I can say it this way, to the potential that it has and what it demonstrates about life that 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 draws you in. It's part of the drama of the ups and downs. Of life in many ways, and the ups and downs of proper kinds of cooperation versus you know destructive kinds of, uh, of cooperation. That kind of all that's in play. You've got the you've got the full drama of life uh, being played out for you in a way. Again, with with a scoreboard sitting on the side, you know, telling you sort of where you stand, at least in right. one, from one angle.
1: Yeah. And you know, what else is interesting is that as, as the, well, there's so much in here to talk about as, as, as people have in the last several decades turned to the church less and less to derive identity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. The church and formal religion, they, they identify as none, right? They, right? they have no religious attachment. Well, they still need to get identity from some place they still are going to turn to something from which to, to measure themselves. There's
0: going to be a community they connect
1: to. Somewhere. Yep. Right? And 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 they are going to derive a sense of self from that community. It's it's what we do. We, we are putting pieces of our identity together based on other things that we associate with outside of ourselves. And so sport has become a huge place to derive identity. Mm-hmm. Both as a competing athlete, as a coach, as a parent, like we talked about, and certainly... um, As a fan. uh, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And so it's no wonder it has such power over us once we find a huge portion of our identity coming from sport it's why we go so crazy as a fan when our teams lose Mm -hmm. it's you know it's life and death for us and we sort of mock that from the outside and yet it makes sense that when your identity gets attached to it at a deep level it really does feel like life and death it isn't just entertainment it's not just a sport anymore um when an entire city surrounds you know I'm, i'm from cleveland originally and so It's old news now, but when LeBron James left Cleveland and there was such an uproar and uh, and people were in a sense mocking the reaction. A lot it was of people. A defection. were Defection.
0: It was a betrayal.
1: It was a betrayal. And so to use that kind of language is to say that there is a relationship there. There is an identification mm-hmm. with this person or with this team, and so there really is a, a rupture that happens in your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's fascinating. It's it's way deeper, I think, than most people realize or care to think about. And so that much more reason we need to figure out how the gospel can go in and rescue that misplaced sense of identity, how the gospel and identifying with Christ isn't just a Sunday thing or something that you do on the side when you're working on your spiritual life, but it happens right here on the gridiron. Mm -hmm. It happens right on the field of play that this actually becomes an act of worship. Back to God, rather than a way to separate yourself further from God, which is how most people do sports. It's yeah. an idol that separates you from God. Well, what would it look like if you could flip that around and use sports to worship God?
0: It's a great question. You know, and, and what's going through my head now? We do a lot of faith and work stuff uh, here at the table and at the Hendricks Center at Dallas, and and the point that we try and make as we even were preparing pastors is what you do and preach on Sunday is aimed at a person who spends the bulk of his life. From Monday to Friday, it is work. So, how does what you do and preach impact uh, the way the person in the pew lives their life, the bulk of their life, most of the time? And sports is another dimension of that. Uh, The amount of investment that comes, the way in which weekend time and entertainment, what we call leisure time, is actually spent, is actually life and investment time in many ways.
1: It absolutely is, and and. So that's why I say it's it's been underserved. That that's a category of life that's been underserved. Much in the same way that most entertainment would have historically been considered entertainment uh, avenues of life, whether it's the Hollywood world or the the music world. There there's sort of these these one-off um, existences for us and. <clears throat> I mean, we need, we need people that are going to say, no, that's actually part of God's kingdom. It's part of God's creation. And so what does redemption for that look like?
0: And it's hard because it's actually culture forming in many ways, and yet we don't think about it. If we don't think about it and view it that way, it swaths over us and shapes us rather than us um, participating to the way in which it's shaped.
1: That's right. And that's largely where we're at today. And it's done in an, it's just done in an unthinking way. We've just been swept along uh, by this culture shape or without stopping to say, how do, how, do we get, how do we get off of this bus? And we do this with college athletes at our camps in the summer. So we, we have these ultimate training camps that are going on in five or six places around the country now. And it's a, a four or five day camp where we basically are taking athletes and trying to to uh, deconstruct detox them <laughs> it, it is it's a detox program Yeah. For- in a four-day intensive um, <clears throat> where we're helping them to see sport as an idol and the different ways that it's an idol and, and and trying to reprogram to see it as an opportunity, both first to confess that idolatry as we need to do in so many different areas of our life, but then to turn it back around and say, give this, give this gift back to God. What would it look like for, um, instead of you worshiping your sport, for you to use that sport as an opportunity to worship God? And so what does that look like? It's a different mindset where it's not about me all the time. It's really not. It's not about trying to position myself above or beyond everybody else, which is typically how people think about it. It's to give the best that I have every day, but to turn my eyes out to others and start to look for ways to minister to other people. Uh, and, And it's amazing how that When you take on that perspective, honestly, I I really feel you end up performing better. Can you take some of the pressure off? Yeah, it relieves you of the pressure. That's exactly right. So to compete in the context of grace and love instead of pressure and performance is very freeing. Like you said, in every aspect of life that's the case.
0: Yeah, and Yeah, and, uh, and, and to me one of the great values of sports because of the team dimensions of at least in team sports it is, it, is it teaches you so much about relating to people who are different than you, who have different gifts and different abilities, et cetera. It's just, I, I think it's a terrific uh, approach properly. I don't know if there's a better laboratory for life in many ways what does it
1: look like for me to play my role within this team how does that translate into the rest of your life well if you understand the spiritual gifts and how they're distributed amongst a a local body of people within the local church it's that same mindset how do i play my role without comparing myself to everyone else and if i really want to take a leadership step not only do i need to ask how to play my role to its fullest But how do I also help other people to play their roles to the fullest?
0: That's right. The great player is the player who makes other players greater. That's right. So it is. It's a microcosm. Of
1: the church, it's a microcosm of our of our journey through life in general.
0: Yeah, well, Ed, uh, we're, we've come to the end of our time. I really do appreciate you uh, helping us. Uh, I don't know what the metaphor is. You know, get on the playing field, uh, tip the ball off, uh, uh, dip our toe in the water, take, pick your sport. It's been great um, to interact with you about thinking about sports from a uh, redemption kind of point of view and from a sanctification angle and we really do uh, thank you for visiting with us on the table about the role of sports.
1: Well I appreciate the time. I love talking about this and and uh, you know people check out athletesinaction.org where we're trying to have this conversation and like us on Facebook and do all those social media things because the more people that that are are looking at those things and sharing them with other people, the wider the ministry impact will go. So help us out with that.
0: Well, we thank you again, Ed, and we thank you for joining us on The Table, and we look forward to having you back again with us soon.
2: Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth, love well.